BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm where we encourage up-and-coming acts to earn themselves a round of applause in the I'm Sorry, I'll Read It Again talent contest. So without further ado, let's hear the first act. And now let's hear the second act. <laughs> Introducing Ivor Menagerie and his singing animals. <laughs> Ivor, is it true that you and these animals a- actually sing, you know, the, a- the actual words? Absolutely, we sing together the actual words, that's right. Now let me quickly introduce the group. Tonight we have a donkey, <laughs> duck, <laughs> a goat, <laughs> a horse, <laughs> a sheep, <laughs> a dog, oh! <laughs> And a chicken. What? Right. And we'd like to combine, we'd like to combine right now to give you a medley of popular favourites. One, two, three. Oh. Slow. <laughs> slow, slow. <laughs> slow. <laughs> what a poll. Nah. Cares and woe. Here I go, singing low. Bah. Bah. Blackbird, because a sixpence is better than a pen, is better than a farthing, is better than none. And the hills are alive with the sound of music. We ain't got a bell of we were ragged and foony, but we'll travel along singing a song. Shine. Yes, I'm sorry, Al. I'm sorry, Al. Shut up. I'm sorry, I'll read it again. It's with you once more. That's <laughs> our Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bilotti. And here to tell you about it is John Otto Cleese. Oh, no, it's I'm sorry, I'll eat that again. <laughs> we present another I'm sorry, I'll read it again survey. We look at the development of travel, culminating in a salute to the incredible efficiency of modern transport. <laughs> we are sorry. We are sorry the rest of the band could not join in those fanfares, <laughs> but their train has been delayed. It's incredible to think that only 80 years ago, the first motor car set off from London to Brighton. We've come a long way since then. 
frightened at last. <laughs> but uh, let us briefly look behind us. Boom. Boom. Through the ages. The story of transport begins in prehistoric times. It was probably about two million years BC when man took his first big step forward. And then he took another, and before long, he was walking. About one million years BC, he checked a slab of stone into a circular shape with a hole in the middle and invented the gramophone record. <laughs> An innovation which remained useless till the amazing discovery of Edison in 1870. Hey, look, fellows, I've just discovered Edison. Look at this. But the cavemen found another use for their records as wheels. They discovered that by fitting four wheels at the corners of an object, he could make it roll along. The next step was the domestication of the horse, which in turn led to man's first form of real vehicle, the four-wheeled horse. <laughs> Next, men turned their attention to the sky. And in the early 16th century, Leonardo da Vinci began to try to emulate a bird. And in 1510, he... In the mid-1700s, James Watt sat watching his kettle boiling and got the idea that revolutionized transport. And within a few years, there was a daily kettle service from London to Glasgow. <laughs> And now we're in the 20th century with the bustle of fast cars, the thunder of diesel trains, and the whine of jet trains. If only that caveman could see what he started, what would he say? Sorry! <laughs> yes, motor cars are getting more and more powerful. And of course, as they get more powerful, they get faster and faster. I'm standing here on Brown's Hatch Circuit where they're testing a new racing car, which should be coming up behind me very soon. A car which travels, now think about this, uh, a, car, a car which travels five seconds faster than the speed of sound. Ah! One, two, three, four, five. Look out! Edited highlights. Edited highlights of that joke can be seen later tonight on BBC television. <laughs> to many men, a car is more than just a vehicle. A reliable family car becomes a wife. Will you marry me? <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Uh, more and more people are joining motorbike gangs. The girls often choose a boyfriend purely by the size of his carburettors. And certainly... <laughs> to appeal to a young man's fancy of an agreeing motorbike with 500 cc's. 500 cc's? Where? It must be my birthday. <laughs> and everyone travels for work and pleasure on land, air or sea, in planes, boats and trains, though not in that order. But these advances do not always meet with the approval of the older generation. Oh, dear me, no. Uh, of course, the trouble is today everything is going far too fast. What? Well, the trouble is today, everything is going far too fast. This being a bit slow, old chap. No, I can't stand all these long-haired fellas zooming around. In their long-haired sports cars. With convertible model girls in headscarves. Can't stand long-haired fellas in headscarves. Everything was a lot slower in our day. I once took me fifth. 
15 days to get from Piccadilly Circus to Hyde Park. 15 days. 15 days. 15 days? Yes. I got run over on the way. Dashing <laughs> about, we took our time. Yeah. Nice and easy. It used to take me six hours to walk to the bottom of my garden. Uh, and six hours back again. It used to take me ten hours to walk from my living room to my kitchen. It used to take me twelve hours to get upstairs to bed. By the time I brushed my teeth, it was time to get up. By the time I got downstairs, it was time to go to bed again. I sleep for twelve years. Then I got a bungalow. Bungalow! Shut up, Gladys. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we knew how to take it easy in those days. Well, to quite reasonably. We walked everywhere. Had to walk. And we did. Absolutely. Always used our feet, even on the bus. Mind you, they, they had no engines then. Just <laughs> holes for your legs to go through. Oh, it was murder on a double-decker. <laughs> Of course, we had to learn early. I was walking at five months. I was walking at four days. I was walking before I was born. <laughs> My mother swallowed a pair of boots so I could get a bit of practice. Used to think nothing of walking to Scotland for breakfast, then down to Fran Gosselin for the ice, Stedford in the afternoon, <laughs> over to Brighton for a ball in the evening. Then stroll back in time for a nice late supper in Bangkok. (laughs) I walked to Australia underwater the whole way, (laughs) held my breath for 28 days. Of course, I got drowned. (laughs) I once walked to the moon. Really? What happened? No idea. I never came back. Long-haired fellows, long-haired fellows. And they wouldn't believe it. Just because it's a pack of lies, they wouldn't believe it. (laughs) Come on, let's put on our legs and go for a leisurely hop in the park. And now, uh, a little music. One of those wonderful songs about people dying. One day for my tea, she gave to 
her fate, struck down by her own sweet mate. With a bone in her throat, she was mortally smote. She died on the kitchen floor. To me, it seems she had never been so beautiful before. to forget but I haven't yet cause she's not far away in some heavenly land where fish bones are banned I seem to hear her say oh don't you cry we all must die and one day we're gonna be and together again. And that's what's worrying me. Thieves last night broke into a government clothing store and stole the entire stock of dark blue trousers. Police are looking pretty silly. <laughs> uh, tell me, when exactly did you first notice your husband's strange behaviour? Well, it was when he started this job on television. Yes. I think it was too much for him, Doctor. I mean, you'll see for yourself when he comes home. Ah, there he is now. <laughs> hello, 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 and here we are again, you lovely, lovely people. I've got all the questions, and if you've got all the answers, then you'll get all the prizes. <laughs> hello, dear. Had a good day at the TV studio. And here's our first contestant, a lovely lady who I'm sure you've got a great big warm welcome for. <laughs> What's your name, dear? Betty. I'm your wife, darling, remember? Now, you just sit down and I'll get you a nice cold compress. Betty, eh? Well, Betty, you just stand right on the spot there. Now, have you, uh, have you come far tonight? I live here. <laughs> well, that's certainly coincidence. So do I. <laughs> well, 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 and are we ready for the first question? Uh, yes, And yes, here but... is the first question. What is for supper tonight? You have ten seconds to answer. Cottage pie, dear. And cottage pie is the right answer. <laughs> You're not nervous, are you? No, dear. Well, I certainly am. <laughs> now, here comes the second question. Who is this man? This is Dr. Fassbinder, darling. Well, how do you do? Ah, Doctor, eh? <laughs> now, you just stand right there, Doctor, and I'll ask you the question. Well, I wasn't... Have you travelled far to get here? Well, not far, no. Uh, not far? Did you come by bus? Um, I didn't. Uh, by car? Uh, by car. Ah, no, not by bus. Uh, you, you, uh, you did say you were married? Uh, uh, not... But you are married. Uh, uh, you are married? I'm not. Ah, oh, you're not married. I, I, uh, you I, did uh, say your name was Arthur, didn't no, you? Not Arthur. Uh, you came by bus, didn't you, I'm Arthur? Not by bus, did no. you bring your wife with you? You did say you drove a bus to Arthur, didn't you? I did not. Uh, you think I'm a loony, don't you? Yes. Bong, 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 bong. Sorry, Arthur. 
Includes the Yes No interlude. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Bye. What is it that is so wonderful about French songs and singers? So strong, so emotional, a strength achieved by a subtle amalgam of unintelligible lyrics, several key changes, and a lot of shouting. Here is the undoubted master of the chanson, the one and only Charles. Has no voice. L'amour, l'amour est comme la mort. La mort, si froid. La plume de ma tante, à la manger. J'aime beaucoup mon chevalier. Paris, Paris, oh, oh c'est formidable. Je prends le métro à la Notre-Dame. looking at it, we present this week's episode of Professor Prune and the Electric Time Trousers. <laughs> Story so far. Professor Prune, Trixie and Percy have lost battle, who has been ridden out of the serial by their arch enemy. And they are now in search of the lost city of Atlantis. I ask you, lose a city. They are accompanied by Miranda, the mermaid, a strange creature, half woman, half fish, and half witted. Suddenly, the gigantic shadow of a terrible sea monster falls over them. Now, read on. 
on. Well done. <laughs> the time, trousers. Good grief, look. The hideous monster fish. What's it called? It's the clever old cod. Oh. <laughs> It's reputedly even worse than that terrible blue bird that terrorizes the air. What terrible blue bird? The Navy Lark. Oh, oh the monster's getting closer. We must hide. Corks, crikey. Here, behind us, Uncle. There's lots of caves. We can hide in one of them. Be careful. Those caves may be occupied. Oh, I say, there's something in this one. Listen. It's a tuna fish. <laughs> what are you doing? Practicing its scales. <laughs> oh, well, we'd better not go in there, I think. <laughs> Let's see if there's anything in this cave next door. Oh! What is it? A huge octopus with eight groping arms. Oh, that should do me very nicely. <laughs> Wait! Here's an even better cave. Let's hide in here. And so, with only seconds to spare, the little group ran into the cave. Oh, dear, I'm puffed. My, my old legs are not what they were. Really? What were they? <laughs> but before the professor could answer, Trixie let out a little squeal. How about little squeal? Yes, there, there. Now, just you look at all these fascinating rock formations in here. Look, those rocks there look like huge teeth. And those over there look like tonsils. And, and, uh, and, uh, and more teeth. And, uh, ah. Everybody, I think I have some bad news for you. But the warning came too late. The great jaws snapped shut. Mm. Oh, delicious, boyo. <laughs> They'd been swallowed by a whale. Down, down, down they went. Oh. Down the gullet, fast oh. the stomach, till they came to the liver, where they had to stop. What for? The lights were against them. Oh. <laughs> <gasps> Uncle, what are we going to do? Yeah, stop jiggling about down there, see, and get on with the singing. Singing? Yes, boyo, everybody sings in Wales. <laughs> But don't you usually eat fish? Well, they sing too, you know. What do they sing? And I regret asking. Well, they've got lots of songs, boy. Oh, there's uh, Wheel Kipper Welk come in the eel side, you see, and uh, thank heaven for little gills. And then they've got To Kiss Me Skate, and uh, Love is a Minnow Splendid Thin, and, and then there's the, the Bream of Geronta, see? For what seemed like hours and hours, the professor and his little party sat listening to this appalling drivel and trying to find a way out. Out. Now that is a very good point. Just think about it. How are they going to get out? <laughs> Either way, it's going to be unpleasant. <laughs> and quite unacceptable to the BBC. Wait, wait, I've got it. And plenty of it, too. <laughs> I know how we can get out. Look over there. Oh, a little door. Oh, 
and the body of an inscription. What does it say? It says this little door is provided by the Society for Keeping Radio Cleaner in the Fences. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. And so they swam out of the great whale, who turned and bade them a cheery farewell. Cheery farewell, boys. Before them lay a great city. Oh, what a great city. <laughs> At last, Atlantis. Look, coming towards us, a little figure. And I think I recognize him. Can it possibly be? Yes, yes, it's Basil. Somebody else. <laughs> Welcome to the lost city of Atlantis, strangers, to the forgotten land of mermaids and mermen. Oh, who are you? I'm the Lord Moor. <laughs> then you must be in charge here. Oh, that's no, sir. You see, the city of Atlantis, we're not really lost, it was stolen. And we are ruled by the old one, sir. The ancient being who has discovered the secret of eternal youth. You don't mean it can't be. Not, not, not Pete Murray. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, the king of Atlantis. They call him Fetish. And even as they speak, news of their arrival reaches the ear of Fetish himself. Professor Prune here in Atlantis. You have done well to bring me this news. Here, take this aspirin for your pain. Oh! Thank you, oh master. And now, Carruthers, now I shall soon have the secret of those time trousers. Brushing Carruthers aside, Fetish swept across the room, dusted the mantelpiece and cleaned the window. <laughs> he sat down at the controls of his telescanner. And as the huge television screen burst into life, Fetish recoiled with horror at what he saw. He made a few rapid adjustments to the controls, and the screen went completely dead. Ha! Ah, the Eamon Andrews show. But at last he saw what he wanted most to see. The professor and his chums. Ah, Carruthers, go and bring them to me at once. It shall be done, O oh master. What kept you? I went. I went by the prettiest route. <laughs> no, you villain. What do you want? I want the secret of your time, trousers. <laughs> oh, you monster. You will tell me or else. Oh, I say, Professor, look. He's holding a small, round, earthenware pot with spikes round the rim. Yes? It is the torture chamber for your... <laughs> Right. You'll never get the secret out of me. Very well. <laughs> Very well, then I must introduce you to the most dreadful thing ever dreamed of by mortal man. Well, I thought you'd forgotten all about it. have you been? I've been having my face lifted by a plastic sturgeon. Oh, oh are you? What are you doing here? Oh, a little puny, but masterful with it. You and I could really swing together. You can't get around me as easily as that, you, you know. You can't get around me as easily as that. <laughs> well, there's a guided tour leaving presently. <laughs> Will you leave me alone? Help! 
Come back, you gorgeous creature. Oh, come back. Oh. As Fetish and Miranda faded into the distance, the professor was quick to grasp his opportunity. Oh, gotcha. Oh. <laughs> Quickly, into the time trousers, everyone. Seconds later, the professor's amazing trousers were off. Oh. <laughs> on a journey into the unknown, leaving Miranda and Fetish far behind. You have not seen the last of me. I have a three-month contract with the BBC. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside the time trousers... Hello, sit up. Helmut von Schweinhund. Look out, Professor. He's holding a gnu. A gnu? Is that a misprint? Collect sugar. And this misprint is loaded. Von Schweinhund, this is not like you. I know. I'm having a little trouble with the accent this week. <laughs> I am not the real Von Schweinhund. Then who are you? I am somebody you once wronged terribly, Angel Knees. Look. So saying, the stranger took off his helmet, Von Schweinhund mask and costume, and stood revealed. Great heavens, it can't be. It is. It's... What? <laughs> <laughs> the dog. Have we seen the last of Fetish? Have we seen the end of Lady Constance? Oh, she was so lucky. <laughs> Where have the professor and his chums landed? Why not draw your own conclusions? But preferably not on the wall of Broadcasting House. <laughs> Meanwhile, don't forget... The time, trousers. <laughs> That's it, and that was our 70th show, which makes 35 hours, and I'm sorry I'll read it again. If anyone can prove that they heard all the programmes, all 70 of them, we will give you the name of our psychiatrist. <laughs> the voices you heard belong to Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bilotti. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.